Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Tim McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And to the show, we've got another case study Sunday. And we again have one of you on the show. Yes, one of the listeners. And we are so pleased to be joined by Nicole, all the way from Hamilton. Nicole, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Now, I should mention that Nicole is a mortgage broker based out of Hamilton, and because she's a real person with a real job, recording at 10.30 in the morning, (laughs) you you could hear a little bit of background noise from her office, and maybe her mum's dog, Chloe, might jump on her for a second (laughs) or two throughout this. But hey, that's the fun part of having real property investors on the show. Now, Nicole, just explain to us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and where you are in your property investment journey. Yes, so I'm Nicole. I'm a mortgage broker based out of Hamilton. My partner and I purchased our first home five years ago with just a 10% deposit. At the time, it was quite hard to get through, but we did it. We got a couple of quarters in at the time and kind of accelerated our mortgage repayments kind of with the intention of reducing the low equity margin as soon as we can and building it up equity to move on to something else at a later date. And tell me how you made up your 10% deposit. Was it savings, KiwiSaver? What was the makeup of that? Yeah, it was uh, savings, KiwiSaver. At the time, we qualified for the first home grant as well, which is awesome, unbelievable. (laughs) And a small gift from family. Awesome. And the wonderful thing about that is in Wealth Plan, our book, of course, we talk about the fast five, the five deposit sources that you could use to build up your first home deposit. And it sounds like you used four of them, KiwiSaver, First Home Grant, Bank of Mum and Dad, and a wee bit of savings there. And tell me, what did you buy your property for? We just wanted to get on the property ladder. So working in finance, I'd helped people for, I think, 18 months at that point. So obviously saw people that had brought properties, they'd built up equity. Renting at the time was pretty much the same as what a mortgage repayment would be. So it kind of made sense. You just needed to have enough deposit to be able to do it. And what was your first house? Tell us about the property. Three bedrooms, one bathroom, small lounge, small small kitchen. It's on about a 500 square meter section. It's, it's very much a first home buyer house. Yep. We've done up the two bedrooms and the bathroom. So it's very, very much a first home buyer house still. And so the borders you got in, you got two borders. Is that right? Yes, correct. As in two individuals or, or a couple? Two individuals, two, two friends of ours. So you're a full house at that stage? Yeah. With all that border money going into the mortgage? Yeah, so we increased our mortgage repayments because we wanted to get that margin off as soon as we can and build up enough equity so we could do something else. And just explain to us, what is that low equity margin for anybody who isn't familiar with that term? If you're buying your first home with a less than a 20% deposit, generally the banks charge a low equity margin or a low equity premium. So the margin is a slightly higher interest rate until you built up enough equity. With a 10% deposit, that was a 075 extra on top of the interest rate. Okay, so say your interest rate was, say, 5% at the time, you would have paid 5.75 until you got below 80%. And how long did it take you to get below 80%? I think it was about two years. Two years, cool. So that's two years of paying down the mortgage, but also your value going up, right? Yes, correct. And just for anybody unfamiliar, when we're talking about getting under 80%, we're talking about your mortgage being 80% of your property's value. So as Andrew said, it could be from paying down the mortgage or the value of that property going up. Now, when you had your borders, what were you charging them per week? Oh, I think it was about like 120 and 130 It was less than $300 a week all up. God, that seems so cheap now, thinking that yeah. you're going to rent two rooms out of your house, and we're talking about 250 bucks a week. These days, you'd expect much yeah. more. I might move in. 
save a fortune. Well, I know Nicole's had a baby now, so I'm not sure if she wants you uh, I'm used to about. I'm used to that. Now, yeah, tell us about the next stage in your life, which is the baby. Yeah, so 2020 came round, obviously, when house prices were booming and I had COVID baby. <laughs> so we had him in 2021 and I returned to work back in 2022. When I returned back to work, we had another income source. So we're looking, hey, we can do something. Wanted to sell and upgrade our home like everybody does. And then I spoke to a client who was in a very similar position to us, still in their first home, wanting to buy an investment property. And it was like, okay, well, they're doing this light bulb moment. We can too. So rather than upgrading, we wanted to buy another rental property for about the same and get an income source. So you decided, look, I'd really like a bigger home now that I've got a growing family. I'd really like a bit more space, maybe somewhere a bit nicer, but you've decided to invest in property instead. And I think this is really important because it shows the choices that we have as we go throughout our life. But tell me about making that choice because you've had to give up having a nicer home so you could invest. Yeah, I guess we were looking at spending pretty much the same money. So we'd built up quite a lot of equity between 2020 and 2022 and Selling and upgrading would be moving into a nice home that we could live in for maybe five to 10 years. But then we'd be looking at spending about the same money, but would have an income source. So I guess long term, we could look at retiring early. On retirement, we've got another income source rather than just relying on KiwiSaver or superannuation. You know, it's giving us a bit more financial security later on in life. It's actually a really interesting train of thought that people go down. I think when people start to build equity in their house and then you know, their income feels a bit stronger. We feel richer and we decide, okay, we, we should absolutely splash out now and upgrade our house because, you know, we've earned that. We've, we've made the sacrifices. We've had the borders in our house. And it is very common for people then to upgrade their own house and just get more and more into debt and defer that investment decision. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what makes you happy, then okay, go for it. But I think that the more sensible financial thing is to just sacrifice now so that you can build up those assets. So like you say, you can retire earlier. Well, the question really, or the train of thought, correct me if I'm wrong here, Nicole, is you're saying, well, we could effectively, and I'll get the numbers wrong, but we could either have a million dollar mortgage and upgrade our home and have no extra income, no extra rent coming in, or we could stay where we are, borrow the same amount of money, again, have a million dollars worth of mortgages, I could have an extra 500 or 600 bucks a week coming in in terms of rent. Yes, correct. That's exactly it. And Did your husband take convincing? Uh, not really. <laughs> he, he's pretty good. <laughs> you mean he does what he's told? Uh, he, he was fine in the house that we were in. It was me that wanted to <laughs> sell an upgrade. So right. it didn't take much convincing for him to stay where we are. Okay. And so then tell me about the experience of buying your first investment property. Yeah, so once we decided we were looking at buying an investment property, we were looking at predominantly new builds because you only need 20% deposit, bright line testing's only five years, and you've still got that interest deductibility, which is huge. Working in finance, I did a couple of Excel spreadsheets to work out, you know, what the mortgage repayments are going to be, what rent we're going to need to cover it, you know, come in. And then we just kind of sifted through TradeMe, looked in several different locations like Dunedin, Christchurch, and then we ended up in Taupo. The reason we chose Taupo is I know personally that the rental market's really strong there. There's there's not really a lot of rental properties available. And then the other side of it is it's a tourist town. If we were to Airbnb the property, then it's high demand. I worked out even based on 60% occupancy, 60% occupancy yeah, with property management fees and GST, it was still stacking up. So we've kind of got both options available there. Okay. So what did you pay for it and what's it renting out for? So we paid 640 The rental appraisal that we got was 450 to 500 a week. And what did you actually get? 
It's not finished just yet. Oh, it's gotcha. um, due to finish in the next month. Awesome. Who's building that one? Plateau Homes in Topol. And is it a progressive payment or turnkey build? Turnkey, which is great. great. We've paid 5% and nothing else. Oh, <laughs> well, just explain that for anybody new to the show. If you're doing a progress payment build, you pretty much have to pay for the build as it's progressing. So we would have had to be paying interest on each stage that the build drew down. Whereas with a turnkey build, we paid our 5% deposit up front and then we don't have to pay anything else until it's settled. With title and code of compliance and everything, it's been pushed out. It was originally supposed to settle in February, but it's due to settle next month. So <laughs> we haven't been paying anything for it, which is awesome. That's so good. Now, you've paid 640k. What do you get for 640k in Topor? It's a two-bedroom, one-bathroom. It's got an open-plan lounge kitchen dining, but it's relatively high-spec compared to the other properties that we looked at. Yeah, so it'd be a townhouse? Central location as well. Yes, townhouse on its own title. And it's four fifty to five hundred bucks a week. So what's the what's kind of the gross yield on that? I'd have to whip out my spreadsheet. <laughs> I'm not too sure. Sorry. Yeah, I think it might be just under four percent. Does yeah. that sound about sounds right? About three point eight. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. And in terms of when you were going out and purchasing that property, I know that people often get fears or worries or concerns or questions that come up throughout that process. I wonder if you could talk to us about maybe some of those fears or concerns that propped up as you were going through that buying process. I guess the concerns were people, everyone's saying we're going into a recession, interest rates are going up substantially. Are you sure you want to be doing that? But I guess from our perspective, interest rates are going up, yes, but hopefully they're going to start coming down again soon. Property prices are coming down, but historically they've always come back up again. And if we can afford to do it, why not? You know, like if we stick it out for five to 10 years, it's probably going to be worthwhile. May take a dip in the first two years, but overall, it's most likely going to be worthwhile. It's a great mindset. Yeah. Now you've got a superpower though, which is that you work in the finance industry. You're a mortgage (laughs) broker. So often people like yourself are typically more confident about investing in property because you're in it all of the time. And I think that's a wonderful thing, by the way. Yeah. Now. I don't know what your partner does, but did he take more convincing? Uh, is he in the property industry? Did did you have to kind of elbow him a bit to get him to to come on this journey with you? Kind of. So he trained as a chef, but he's a tradie now. So he, he doesn't really do this inside and out, but we've got other friends that do. We've got a friend that was a property developer and we've got other friends that buy rental properties. We've got family that have brought rental properties. So it's he's kind of been around people that do this. So it didn't take too much convincing. Yeah, that's that's such an interesting trend that I often see, that if you work close to construction, finance, investment, property, one of those kinds of things, you're just more comfortable with it because you see it yeah. every day. If you've got a question about the rental market and wherever it happens to be, often you can pick up the phone and talk to a friend or somebody you met one time three years ago and have a bit of a chat. So there's just that little bit more comfort around it Mm. but even still I know that when family and friends bring up things like are you sure and there's a recession coming how do you deal with those well the time's going to pass anyway right (laughs) you know the next few years are going to go through if we're going into a recession we're going into a recession which I think we are technically in one now but it always bounces back and they're not making the financial decision you are you know if you listen to everybody that tells you no you shouldn't be doing that where are you going to go Absolutely. <laughs> How often do you listen to the Property Academy podcast, Nicole? 
far too much and girls that invest in Francis Cook as well. Oh, it's like great. on rotation. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 feel like, I feel like this is the perfect case study. Well, now, nah, just when you said, oh, I'm making the financial decision, they're not, I'm like, I'm not sure how many times we would have said that. And I'm sure some from girls that invest, Francis would say very, very similar things. So I think that's such an important mindset to have. So where to from here? So I guess we just want to, we're waiting on Code of Compliance and Title to come through for the property. Then we, once we've settled, get it all, all set up. And hopefully we want to do it again in the next couple of years. Hopefully tell it Tony Alexander's right and we start, you know, picking those house prices back up in the next kind of one to two years. And then hopefully we'll be doing it again. And what's one thing that you've learned that you think other property investors should know? I guess you can kind of put on hold that self-gratification and instant gratification to, to do something like this. Like, I don't think it's completely unattainable. My partner and I are both 29, so under 30, and we're, we're making these moves. I think the best step is just taking a step, you know? Yeah. In my head, especially, I always kind of thought as a property investor or an investor, as you know, Jordan Belfort, Wolf of Wall Street, he's on a yacht in the Mediterranean, but that's not every investor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can just start small and hopefully get to that. I want to be on a yacht in the Mediterranean. I love that so much. And it, just as you were talking, it struck me that sometimes us property investors, we get labelled as if we're all old fat cats with all of this money. We're just rolling around in it. Got to go, oh, there's a first home buyer there looking to buy a property. Let me go bid up the price. Ha, ha, ha. But actually, you know, here, here you are and your partner, less than 30 years old, and you're thinking, well, do we actually need to spend more on ourselves and have a bigger house? Or shall we provide some accommodation for someone else and hopefully make some money in doing that, in providing that rental property for other people? It's such an important mindset. And I just wish you guys all of the best and think that you guys are such a great case study to have on the show. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the show. And if you want to be on Case Study Sunday like Nicole has, just let me know. Send me an email, ed at opspartners.co.nz or just message us on Instagram. We've got a bit of a pipeline of people coming up, but I'm always looking for more people as well. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. We're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.